Coming up, today's guest is the head of growth for her, a dating app for queer women. You will discover how finding a local person was the key to internationalizing the app, how to maximize influencer marketing campaigns for a niche app, and how retro-looking ads are outperforming any other ad creative. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. B7Dev.com is the one-stop shop for all your app development needs. They can help you with design, development, and even marketing. Plus, they're offering an exclusive discount just for the App Masters community. Check them out at B7Dev.com. Want to advertise through Snapchat influencers at scale? Check out fanbytes.com and see why brands like Universal and Sony Music use them to market on Snapchat. Learn more at fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the podcast, the blog, the YouTube channel that you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app business. Because all I do is interview the best people in the mobile space so that I can learn from them and you can too, so that we can grow our respective businesses. Today, I've got a phenomenal guest. I'm super excited to talk to her. She's based in San Francisco. Her name is Noah Gutterman. She is the head of growth at her, a queer social, I'm going to let her explain it before I butcher this, (laughs) but the app is called her and you can check it out in the app stores if you just search for her or go to the website, weareher.com. Noah, welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm happy to be here, and, and I can give a little bit more background. So, Please Her do. is a dating and social networking app for queer women. So that means for those of you who haven't heard of it before, lesbian, bisexual, trans men and women, gender nonconforming people, basically everyone who doesn't find a place on a conventional straight dating app. And how many members do you guys have? Is that public? Yeah, we have uh, about 3.3 million users worldwide. We're live in 55 countries, and we just rolled out our first fully localized version of the app in France. Right, and then you guys just went through a rebranding, right? That we did, yeah. At the end of May, we did a full rebrand. Essentially, about a year and a half ago, some pretty major data came out um, of a YouGov study in Great Britain that said that less than 50% of millennials now identified as straight, meaning that the majority of young people are identifying as non-straight. Whatever label they're using, they're just not using the label straight. And we saw this as kind of a watershed moment for us. We feel like there is just a massive expansion in the number of people who are potential customers for our app. And we wanted to make sure that our app fit those people. So when we had built our app three years ago, coming out of Y Combinator, it was a very different time in the world for queer people. There was a lot less social acceptance. There were different trends about what was cool and what wasn't. Um, And our app was in look and feel and style very much based on what was popular three years ago. And with this study and and that idea in mind, we really wanted to do a full product rebrand. So we completely overhauled the app. We came up with a new logo, a new style, a completely new mission, vision, and values statement. And we redid the app. We re-released it in May. We came out with a brand new product, which is our social networking product. 
Um, And I'm really happy to say now, kind of two months after the fact, that the response from our community has been nothing short of overwhelming. Um, People are so happy about this rebrand. And and we've gotten a lot of response from people who feel like the app actually represents their identity now. And and it's not as much based on being a lesbian as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's much more now about being a space where you can find room for self-exploration and for kind of fearless discovery of who you are. And you don't have to necessarily attach a label to that. What millennials and what we're seeing them now do is, is really not feeling like they want to have one identity. They want to have a multitude of identities and they want those identities to kind of change over time. And so our app is specifically built for people to be able to come onto our platform and explore their own identity and meet whoever they're looking for, whether that be a friend, a business partner, a romantic relationship, a lifelong partner, you can find all of that on her. Now, the the one of the reasons I was so excited talking to you, talk to you too was notice on the website that I was like find your person, and you know like I saw the branding her I was like what you know how come this is like find your next love or like female represented terms and you have person so I think it speaks volumes to what you guys have sort of already done in terms of you know knowing your audience and saying the right words to them as well. Yeah, we we it's a very interesting conversation to talk about um, a female only space. And we did a lot of work on this with our rebrand. We wanted to make sure that we were serving a community that is wildly underserved. And in fact, people who are gender nonconforming and people who are trans, either masculine or feminine, uh, are very underserved. They have very few physical spaces that are safe. They often are very isolated. They don't feel like they have as much community. And so we wanted our app to serve them just as much as it serves someone who's a lesbian or someone who's a bisexual. And so we have tried as much as we can, although we are in our core business model, a platform for women to find other women. Mm -hmm. We wanted that to be not based on your physical makeup. We wanted it to be a place where if you feel like you belong on this platform, then there is a space for you here. So we serve essentially every community except for cisgendered straight men. So those are men who identify with the male gender who are born as men. And that's the only community that we we really don't serve. But again, they have many other dating apps uh, that are open <laughs> and welcome to them. So we really try to serve this demographic that is is super underrepresented and doesn't have as much space, digital or physical. You know, it's funny because one of the articles I was reading about you guys before we got on this call was they said just that, like, and if you're a single man, like there's thousands. Yeah. That's true. As a single, not, a, not, not as a single, but as a straight guy, like I know there's like tons of apps for us. Yeah. That are super great. And yes. I'm so glad they have a space as well, right? Everyone deserves their <laughs> yes. own safe space. That is true. So let me talk to you about this, Noah, like with your rebranding, what have you, like, are there certain features that you guys changed around to really like say, okay, this is how we're rebranding. This is how we're going to talk to the, to our core audience. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the look and feel, we redid our mission, vision, and values. We mm-hmm. came out with a new style of language that we wanted to use. We obviously redid our logo. Um, but in addition to that, we actually released a brand new product. So we kind of created a new feature of our app that is a social networking feature. I always describe it to people uh, like if Reddit and gay Facebook had a baby. Um, so what I mean by that is we've created interest and in identity-based communities. There are 16 of them now and growing kind of every day. Um, and these communities are based on what our users asked for the most. They're very similar to like a social feed or a chat room. They range in everything from mindfulness and well-being 
to people over 40, to trans men and trans women um, and queer people of color. And the communities are meant to give a space for that fearless exploration in a capacity that is very different from dating. So definitely, if you are still using her to date, you live your best life, right? Like we love that. But we also want to give a space to people who are either already in a couple and not looking to date or dating is just not their top priority. And these um, communities are accompanied by a personalized social feed that lives within the app where you see all the posts from communities you belong to. You see um, posts that we think that you might like based on your previously expressed interests. And the kind of magic element to it is that you also see posts by your matches. So it allows you an opportunity to kind of re-engage with those people. If your conversation has lapsed or if you've been too scared to message them, it gives you like another chance to connect with someone um, based around something that you both feel passionately about. So whether it's one of our brand new communities we rolled out this week, like food and recipes or queer creators for people who are artists and creators to post their own music or songs, or whether it's, you know, hit me up where people kind of exchange social media handles and post cute pictures. Like we want our app to have something for, for everyone. And you can kind of toggle back and forth between the social and the dating component and they can kind of live independently or together, depending on how you best want to use the app. I don't know if you had this problem, but I run a couple of communities myself and it's always hard to get people going, you know, get talking, get sharing. How did you guys get that going? Your yeah. Going? So the idea of like a chat room or a digital space for people to connect has actually been something that's really um, insidious in the queer community. That's always been something that's been a part of our lives because queer people have often not felt safe in physical spaces. And so the idea of a chat room was kind of like this throwback for us to what queer dating used to be. Um, and so we love that we're kind of keeping this strong and bringing it back. Um, we had a ton of content that was posted in the app before we brought these communities to life, either in people's profiles or in conversations. And we would get requests all the time asking for a social feed or a chat room or group chat. And so the communities were actually a direct product of user feedback that we got and, and massive amounts of user research. And we really have actually had problems more with get more than getting the content with actually like moderating it. We have a a massive number of moderators now who work for us, just about 30, who are assigned to specific communities to make sure that the content of the community both abides by our content guidelines, right? Like we don't want any pornography, but also that, that the content's in the correct community. So we have all these people who kind of work for us, who move step between communities, make sure everything's okay. Um, and I, I, we wouldn't be coming out with new communities if it wasn't working, right? So we actually also have two coming up that I'm really excited about and that I'm super pumped we're able to create, which are one for gender nonconforming people or non-binary people, mm -hmm. and then one for trans men. Um, this is a group that, right, if you hear the word her, you might be like, why do these people belong on this app? They are identifying as men and they are men, um, but they are a part of the queer umbrella family and community, and we think that they have just... Um, as equal a place on our app as any other person. I see. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. And look, I don't, I don't know anything about this, but trans men, are they looking for women to date or are they, because they can go both ways, right? In terms of looking for a man to date or looking for a woman or just were they coming here for the community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the easiest way to put it is that uh, we don't really care what they're looking for and, <laughs> and if her doesn't care and that you, should, you shouldn't have to choose, right? You should be able to use the app or whatever you want to use it, date whoever you want to date. We are just giving you a platform to have fearless exploration on a platform that you trust. 
it almost sounds like you guys are moving away from like, I don't know if you are or not, but like more from the dating angle and just being like, hey, look, this is a community. And heck, yeah, our main feature is dating if you want to do that. But we're going to stick with like just building a community for queer women. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dating will always be our core feature, but we want to give something else. I like it. The internationalization. You know, I've heard people, horror stories of people yeah. who localize an app and internationalize it and don't see any results. How did you guys go about it to make sure there was going to be ROI positive? Absolutely. And it was something we really struggled with. We're live in 55 countries just in English, um, but we wanted to localize in a couple countries and we have some more coming up on the roadmap for 2018, both to kind of give new users and and tap into a market we haven't yet tapped and also to to drive revenue, quite frankly. I mean, we are, we get so much of our revenue from the U S the UK, Great Britain and Australia um, or Canada and Australia. And we wanted to really find other places to get revenue from. It's, it's a good business proposition. Um, It's a tricky thing to internationalize. Let me tell you. And what we found was the, the magic to doing that is having a local person on the ground who understood our community, who was a queer woman, and also fluently spoke English and that language, so in our use case, French. Um, this allowed us to, A, throw a really kick-ass party that kicked off our localization. It allowed us to use the right verbiage that made sense in that language because so much of the language we use is colloquial and it's slang to talk about this community. And so we wanted it to be right for that community. Like it may not be right to reference Ellen DeGeneres to a queer person in France. We just didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also did a lot of user research on the ground about what would work for those users. Like how do they receive ads about a new app? Is it on a billboard? Is it on a Facebook ad? Is it with just a party? Um, And so we really tailored our user acquisition strategy for that specific audience. Uh, We also did a lot of outbound PR. We worked really closely with our Apple App Store team to make sure that the app would be okay to go live in France, fully localized in French. Um, And we also really tapped into our existing user base that was using the app in English, but were located in France and asked them a lot of questions, kind of gave them early access tryout features, make sure all the translations looked okay. And so we had this almost like an advisory board of pre-existing users who helped us make that transition really smooth. Uh, We've kind of customized this model. We've got our roadmap for what internationalization looks like. And it worked so well in France that we're rolling out in Spain in probably October and in Spanish, and then hopefully uh, in Mexican Spanish later on in the year, and maybe even in Brazil. Nice. That's awesome. I love that tip about finding a local person and yes. just the questions you're asking. So that's one, like that was my main <laughs> takeaway. Take and then saying like, how do they discover new apps? Like, cause right. all I would think, think is like, find a local person, run some Facebook ads. Like, no, then maybe they look at the newspaper or like billboard. Right. Like, exactly. so what did you find out about France? Just like, curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that Facebook ads are right. They're always going to work no matter yeah. what, because people are just used to seeing Facebook ads for things in terms of um, getting kind of deep reach and, and getting our app in front of the right eyes, because to be very honest with you, digital advertising for us can be difficult because it's a niche audience and the targeting to get to that niche audience can be tough. Um, we worked with a local party that was already existing in France, a queer female party. And we partnered with them to throw a pretty big event where we had swag there. We put out lots of calls already in our app, like push notifications and messages to get people who are already users 
um, to the party and to spread the word. And we also did a lot of, a lot of press that really helped, um, working with queer and traditional publications in France to get out the story. A lot of people who showed up to the party said like, Oh, I read about this in the paper. And very few people in America would think that a, you know, a newspaper story in just a print publication is the most useful strategy for user acquisition, but it worked really well for us there. And word of mouth in France is so big in this community that it, it was super effective. Was it because you had that local person that, hey, if we ran this ad on exactly. this music, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I love yeah. That. She, was, she was so helpful um, and she had a great network she was able to tap into of existing party promoters and digital advertisers and journalists in France who kind of helped us and gave a little bit of padding to the discomfort that can come with an internationalization. Was it hard to find her? So she actually already worked for us. She was our, uh, she's our Montreal city rep. So we run live events in 25 cities, four times around the world. And so she already spoke French and English, um, and did a lot of traveling. So she already knew the Paris scene pretty well where we threw our first party. So, so she was great and she already worked for us. We do our subsequent launches. We may need to kind of branch outside of the, her family. Um, but because our app is already live in English in a lot of the countries we'll go into, it's pretty easy to be able to put out a call in app asking for people who would make up this advisory council, other people they could potentially recommend who would be good for us to work with on a contract basis. So we do already have that existing user base. Yeah, love it. Okay, before I want to, what I want to get into next, Noah, is I should probably just slow down my t talk, my speech, <laughs> so that I can actually formulate my brain tends to move faster than my mouth. But what I want to move on to next is your ASO strategy and mm -hmm. how I think this is the right strategy because I get this question all the time versus branding versus like, hey, I want branding. I want keywords. Like which one has more traffic? So I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I want to thank my first sponsor, Fanbytes. Now it's the geeky way of spelling bytes, but fanbytes.com. Look, if you're looking to drive low cost installs and want to use a underpriced channel such as Snapchat, then I recommend go checking out fanbytes.com. They've worked a ton of our clients. We work with some amazing brands already to promote apps at a very low cost CPI. How low? Under 50 cents. They've been able to tr drive that type of CPIs at scale, which is the amazing part. So if you want to run an influencer marketing campaign, maybe you got a new social network app out, maybe you have a new game out and you wanna use Snapchat influencers, well, Fanbytes are the guys that I would use to use that I, would, that I would use to run those campaigns because they'll create the creative for you. They know what kind of creative works on Fanbytes. They'll create it for you. And then they obviously work, will work with the influencers to drive awareness and obviously downloads. So if you're ready to get started, let them know that you heard it on this very podcast. They're going to hook you up with the credible offer. It is fanbytes.com. All right, Noah. So the ASO strategy. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to say it. So you have her lesbian dating and queer app. I love that because, you know, you, you talked a lot about branding and kind of staying away from maybe a lesbian, but just trying to be all encompassing. But in those keywords, you kind of spell out, hey, this is what we do as well. Yeah, I think ASO is really tough and it can be an absolute black box to figure out. Um, I think for a while, people were going under the assumption that if you used your keywords as many times as possible in your description and byline, you would get, you know, higher traffic and you would move up in the rankings. I think that's kind of no longer true. Uh, the most recent thing I've heard is that you should only use each of your keywords once. Um, so that's the strategy we're, we're undertaking now. And I think when you look at an ASO description, 
uh, or you look at ASO more generally, it's really useful to do it in the reverse and figure out what people are searching and then mm-hmm. optimize your page for that. So obviously people are still going to search lesbian dating app or lesbian app to find us. That's never something that's going to go away. And we love that demographic and they are core audience and we still want to serve them. But people also search things like queer or trans um, and other things that we want to make sure we put into our app store descriptions that maybe aren't as apparent if you just looked at the way that our app looks. So we want to really make sure we're responding to what people are searching for, what our competitors are using, as well as what we think people may search for in the future. Yeah. And I think the thing that I talk to a lot with my clients is, hey, look, this this app name is for people who are going to be searching for the keywords, right? And yeah. they're like, no, but the branding, because, you know, like some of my clients would be like, no, we can't have lesbian dating in our app. It's going to be, you know, her is here for queer women, right? And that's what they want to put in the app. Like, but, but I'm like, nobody's searching for some of this keywords that you're, right. you're totally wasting your keywords. So I'm glad that you guys are able to do it. Yeah, definitely. And and ASO is something that we continue to iterate and optimize for like week over week. Um, it's, it's really critical to us. And the more players that get into our space, you know, the more exciting it is, but also the more difficult it is. Yeah, completely agree. Was it hard to get, to get, you know, sign off or maybe it's just completely under your control to say, okay, these are the keywords that we definitely want in our app name. Because that name's so visible to everybody, right? And that's what people Yeah, we, we did a lot of testing on it before the rebrand came out and, and as the rebrand came out. And right now we're pretty happy with the way that the keywords are. We obviously continue to iterate and continue to test. But we feel like right now they're driving the right kind of people to our app. Yeah. Obviously, right, there's a sea of dating apps out there. There are literally thousands. Um, we are the biggest app for queer women. And so we often use things like Apple search ads to get our app in front of people's eyes when they maybe are searching like the wrong thing or they don't know what they're looking for. Mm. Um, So we run search ads in tandem with optimizing our organic ASO to make sure that we're using the app store as best we can. Do you have any tips on how to best optimize Apple search ads? Yeah, we've we've done a lot of testing and and really shout out to our Apple team because they are fantastic and really help us a lot. Um, We play around a lot with expanding the cap on each keyword and then expanding the overall daily budget to see if we can maintain overall CPIs on like a month over month growth curve and increase the number of installs. Uh, it's worked really well for us so far. It's kind of the thing where as more and more people discover that they can run ads on search, uh, it becomes more and more competitive and the cost rises. <laughs> but now we're looking at actually this week, we're launching search ads localized in France for the French app store. And that's really cool for us because it allows us again to reach people in France through a different channel where they maybe haven't heard of us before. Maybe they didn't go to our launch party, but they still would be interested in finding a queer dating app. I see. I love it. What are some of the things from a growth perspective? What are you focused on, Noah? Definitely. So I'm focused uh, predominantly on growing our user base. I always tell people your, your dating app is only as good as the people on it, right? So you want more people all the time, better people, and people who are more likely to pay for your premium subscription because it drives overall business revenue and objectives. Uh, what I'm predominantly focused on and really excited about right now is we've really cracked uh, influencer marketing wide open. And we work with a lot of Instagram and YouTube influencers who have, uh, you know, between about 50 K and 500 K followers, high engagement rates, uh, because they are a perfect way for us 
to get our targeting right. I already said it's, it's pretty hard to figure out how to reach this community unless you're targeting people on Facebook. And Facebook will always probably be the majority of our marketing spend for paid user acquisition. But we love influencer marketing because if someone is a queer female influencer, that's what they're known for, you can make the educated guess that a lot of their followers will also be queer women. And they have these really dedicated user followings who watch every single one of their videos, who like all their posts, who comment specific things on their Instagrams based on things that influencers put on their stories. So they are engaging people on multiple different platforms in lots of avenues. And people are also used to receiving sponsored content from these influencers. And so we've seen some amazing spikes in our user acquisition when we work with an influencer to create a post or a video or a partnership that has multiple components to it. Mm. And it's great because if the influencer is in a city where we run a live event, they'll end up coming to the event as a VIP. People can actually meet them. They can do like a meet and greet. They can have be in the VIP section. So it, it's kind of this 360 experience that encompasses everything we do as a business. It, it's good for user acquisition. It's good for our live events. It's great for our overall brand. Um, so we, we love influencer marketing. The other thing that I think I'm working on more than anything else is besides our internationalization efforts is expanding and looking for other channels for user acquisition. We, we never want our marketing mix to be too small. And so we've recently, um, decided to get into more programmatic advertising, certain ads on third-party networks. This is something that has really only been possible for us recently with some advanced targeting options that have come out in the last, I would say, year to two years. And so we're really excited to dig deeper into that and, and get our um, ads in front of eyes where they maybe haven't seen them before. Like if someone doesn't use Facebook or isn't searching for correct terms or appropriate terms on the app store, we still want to be able to get our ads in front of them. Yeah. Is there anything exciting that you're like one of these new growth channels? Cause that's all I like too. I'm like, what else is yeah. out there? <laughs> we're, we're doing a lot of creative testing right now okay. about what exactly performs well. Like if you change the color of a button, how does it affect the overall growth? Or if you change the tagline recently, we've been um, running some visual ads that look way more like personal ads from newspapers uh, to try and test out what that kind of like retro feel would be like. And we've gotten great response from our users. So I think it's about really figuring both what the channel is that is going to work really well for you. And then also like what ad is going to be super cool and really pop on a website. People again are so used to seeing ads that they can almost tune them out now. Yeah. And so it's about figuring out how to create an ad that honestly makes someone stop doing what they're doing and want to click on your ad. Ooh, You're interrupting okay. user behavior. So it's like, it's a tough thing to figure out. I love the retro ads idea. I've been trying yeah. to peek up, poke around, like if I, trying to poke around, see if I can see a sample ad. <laughs> of yours <laughs> i see a banner the banner that you're using on facebook i only see one of them but yeah it's been pretty cool Thank cool you. the the last thing i want to mention though is the live events like why do them how are they effective for you guys like tell me about that thought process definitely so live events that are specific to queer women have always been a really integral part of our community uh we really from the beginning wanted to make sure that live events were a very important part of our business model um, because queer people often don't have physical spaces that are dedicated to them. Uh, parties have been a way where in live events have been a way where you can get that community a safe place for an evening or for a couple hours or for a day. And so live events were a natural extension of our business. Um, we run live events, like I said, in 25 cities, four times a year around the world and only growing. Um, and we found that our live events are very interesting for us because they're, they're a, a great brand strategy 
experience, right? They give you a lot of brand awareness. You can give a full 360 experience, visual, sound, lights. We really work to develop what a her party smells like, feels like, what, what you're listening to there, what you're drinking. Um, and we do a lot of work on creating that party that you just walk away from and you're like, wow, I want to go next time too. I want to go to every single one. I want to tell my friends about these. Like this is the place where I want to be once a quarter. We um, do, we, it's been interesting for us to figure out the direct correlation between throwing a party and getting that user to download the app. And we do a lot of work to make sure that that, that goes both ways, that app users go to parties and party goers become app users. Uh, we found with a test we ran in Australia um, that people who came to two events or more in that city were twice as likely to upgrade to premium, our premium subscription feature. And so it's really a useful revenue driver for us, both in the sense that our um, event attendees purchase tickets, but also in the sense that they are more likely to upgrade to premium if we can retain them for two or more events. So. Wow. We love throwing out parties. They're really important to us. And it every time I go to one, we were we recently were um, in New York for New York Pride, where we ran the official women's after party for Pride. So it was hundreds of people. It was massive and amazing and just so wonderful. But every time I go, it's it's a really nice way to also touch our community in a way that you can't touch them through an app, right? I can go to a party and conduct kind of like informal user interviews or speak to people and really find out what's happening in that community, what's cool right now, which DJs are interesting to people, which parties are interesting to people. And we tailor our parties completely to fit each city. Like in New York, it's kind of like more rave style. In Minneapolis, it's like brunches. In LA, it's like really cool day parties. So they're unique to every city. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Now, yeah. if I can talk to you about the the influencer marketing side, is there a creative that has worked pretty well for you guys on that side? Yeah, we like creating things that feel as much as possible like organic content. Okay. We don't ever want an influencer to be just like looking at the camera and being like, here's this cool hat I got from her. They're a great dating app. Uh, we want it to be as natural as possible. And we end up using the influencer creative uh, back on our own social channels to advertise on Facebook or Instagram. And we have only been doing this for a couple months, but we found a greater than 25% reduction in CPI. Wow. So it's really working for us. It, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely an evangelist of influencer marketing. Um, so we do things like we have a uh, video coming out with some really prominent uh, queer female influencers that I'm really excited about where they play the newlyweds game. Uh, between themselves and then a couple who actually met on her to see which couple knows each other better. Um, and that like has nothing to do with, you know, no one is saying like, get 15% off with this right. code, but it feels really genuine. And if you run it as an ad, it looks almost like an organic post and so people are more likely to watch it, to believe in what they're saying and to take the action you're asking them to take at the end. I love that idea. I love that game, Noah. I played this game like <laughs> on our, we had an engagement party. Like I proposed to my wife and then yeah. we had some friends over hiding and then we played that game right afterwards. I love that game. Yeah. The game is so much fun. No, it's fun because everyone kind of knows about it. Everyone, yeah. every time I tell this to people, they're like, oh my God, this one time I did it. And so it's, it's something that feels both familiar and very fun to you, right? Like you want to watch it to the end. You want to see what they say. I want to host it. No, that's what yeah. I'm actually asking you. <laughs> I think I see one of the ads. So like one of the ads I'm looking at that you guys are running, and I think this is an influencer, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, what would you tell your younger self? And it looks like somebody just answering this question and it could be an influencer and leveraging that content as an ad. Yeah. That's, so that's actually not an ad, but that's, it, I'm glad that it looks like one because it was shot in a studio. Um, <laughs> we went down to LA 
about a month before the rebrand came out and did a very massive photo and video shoot because a core part of our rebrand was actually representing the community that we're serving. We see so little representation of queer people in the media and we wanted our app to, to actually show those people off. We didn't want to use models for our brand shoots. We really wanted it to be our true users. So we knew we were going to do the shoot in LA because we had a studio and a videographer we wanted to work with there. And we put out a call in our app for models who would be willing to model for our shoot. Uh, and I'm not kidding you when I say we got hundreds of responses back. Um, and we ended up working with about 45 people who represented every different possible identity we could think of that we wanted represented in our app. Yeah. And we did video brand photo shoots. Um, and if you download the app, like the best use case I can give you is your first screen when you download the app is a shot of three models from that photo shoot. And these are the photos you see everywhere within the app. You will never see a photo from us moving forward that isn't an actual app user. They look um, great. Thanks. Yeah, we plan to take this kind of around the world. So every time we go and do a new photo shoot, it's going to be a new city. So it'll give a different feel, just like our parties are different in every city. People look different in different cities. So we really want to, to take this worldwide and do photo shoots all over the world and, and really represent the variety of our users. It kind of goes back to the idea of labels. Like you don't have to just be one thing. You don't have to just look one way. We want to represent a full community. So, okay, I <laughs> just keep having questions, but okay, I'll end with, I promise I will end with this, but has there anything, have you done anything that has led to more subscribers? Cause I know it's a business still, you're going to have to get, you know, subscribers. Is there anything that you've done that has worked from th that end? Yeah, absolutely. I think getting more subscribers is a really interesting combination of improving your existing product to retain users and also getting new users through a variety of different user acquisition channels with really good creative that makes people want to take the action you're asking them to take. Mm. So we see about 50% drop off after 24 hours. That's very standard for a dating app and actually any dating app. Uh, so you use about that retention rate. Um, and so we have to both increase the number of users coming in every day and also replace the people who are dropping off. So we do a lot of re-engagement activity with newsletters, emails and pushes and special in-app promos. We do a lot of outbound user acquisition work with things like Facebook and Instagram targeting, video ads, static ads, interactive ads. Um, and I think it's just about finding what that balance is for your budget and your goals. You don't have to have a huge budget to do user acquisition. Your ads just have to be really good. And you have to do a lot of segmentation and audience optimization to get your CPIs as low as possible. Love it. Okay. Now, well, before we hit the big finish, I do want to thank my last sponsor, B7Dev.com. If you're an app, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a founder, if you're working for a big company and you need extra help with your app development, web development, well, I recommend checking out b7dev.com. They've helped my, me build my app from the ground up. And I've, they've been a long time sponsor of the podcast and I use them. I've referred so many different people who had had great experiences with them. And unlike other app development firms that I know of one that has done this to their users where they'll get upfront, upfront payment and just go away. I'm like, what are you doing? These guys will not do that. They were, they provide affordable pricing and they'll hit different milestones and then you make payment. That's the proper way to do it. That's what any legit app development firm will do, not just charge you up front and then completely go away. So if you're looking for an app development firm that you can use, that you can trust, and more importantly, that won't cost you an arm and a leg, then check out the letter B, the number seven, dev.com. It is b7dev.com. Noah, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app we definitely have to check out? Absolutely. So honestly, my favorite app right now that I just can't get enough of is an app called Libby. 
lets you check oh my out. Gosh, you're the uh, second person to say this really? today. That's awesome. Oh I love this app too. Okay, go, go ahead. Sorry. That's awesome. Well, I'm a big reader. I yes. love to read. And I just feel like it's a way sometimes to pay for a book that you know you're only going to want to read once. Uh, so I love Libby because you can check out digital eBooks from your library. If you have a library card, it's also great because I love my good public library, but sometimes it is a pain to go over there. Um, so I love Libby. I'm downloading all sorts of books. I'm going to the beach in a few weeks. So I am excited to sink into my beach reads. And they have audiobooks too, which is the amazing right? part. And the, the library is intense. Like I was like, I don't need audio. I don't need audible for this. Like what, <laughs> I, what I need audible for? Like, this is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I got one last question though. I know we're short on time. What's the, what's the lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh gosh. Okay. I think the lesson that took me the longest to learn and what I honestly still every day, you got to teach yourself this. I always try to uh, fail faster. I tell my team always, I want you to try everything you possibly can. And a lot of it's going to fail. And I just want you to keep trying things because eventually you're going to hit on something that works. Love it. And the website and the app, the app is called Her. If you just search for that, you'll find it in the app store. And then if you want to check out the website, it is weareher.com. Noah, you want to send in the listeners anywhere else? Uh, yeah, find us on Instagram, find us on Facebook. We post all sorts of great content on Instagram. You can find us at her social app, or like Steve said, download the app, her H E R or go to our website. We are her.com. That is awesome. Noah, thank you so much for coming on doing this. Thanks so much, Steve. Have a great day. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.